of course, you're all ministers of the gospel as well, so I'm not never alone. We are never alone. Before we start, I just want to see if you've looked up today on the cross, because uh, we have a new edition for Pentecost. It occurred to me we only have a, a drape on the cross on Good Friday, and so we have a black, uh, solemn, death-like drape. But today is the third highest festival in the church year season after Easter, Christmas, and then it is Pentecost. So I said, why don't we get a red cloth and see if we can get Mo to put it up there, and he did, and it looks great. So I hope you uh, think it looks festive, and um, hopefully we'll remember it's Pentecost all year long. Let us pray. Our good and gracious God, we give thanks for this festival day, a day when the Holy Spirit came and interpreted your preaching and teaching and your will into uh, words that we could understand, each in our own language. We pray that even now as we hear English, that is our language, that we can still understand what you have in mind in this gospel. Sometimes it is a little hard, a little murky. Sometimes we don't know the background. And so today, Lord, we pray that given this beautiful holiday, this Pentecost, this fiery festival, we will be attentive to your call And we will be willing to go where you send us with joy and fervor and faith in our risen Lord. In his name we ask it. Amen. How many of you were up at the crack of dawn Saturday to watch an awesome royal wedding? Uh, I thought there'd be more than that. Are they mostly women? I'm just seeing if it's gender specific. I think it kind of gets to be gender specific. The men might walk in the room and do a little glance, and then they go away again. At least that's what my husband did. But I'm guilty indeed. I had to. I had to see the marriage of Prince Harry and the American commoner Meghan Markle, a romantic story indeed. I'd seen all the other weddings as well in the middle of the morning, and this was like the culmination. People lined the streets, as you know, if you watched from all over the world for this celebration. They broke a few rules and uh, conventions indeed for British royal weddings at St. George's with their modern love affair. She had no legacy of royalty. She was in her mid-30s already, racially mixed, divorced, and in the television industry. There was a spirited American uh, Episcopal preacher, Father Michael Curry, that was in the pulpit, plus a black gospel choir rocking the Church of England's classical purity. The thick crowd of fans in the village streets were overjoyed as the newlyweds' carriage intimately passed close enough to their iPhones. You should have seen if you did all the iPhones of the whole world must have been poised that day on this royal couple en route to their feast and celebration. Many had traveled from other countries just to catch a glimpse of them for a few seconds But God's language of love united them all. Strangers in the streets, men, women, children, pressed against people from France, Ireland, Germany, the U.S., small villages and huge cities, all united as one in their hopes and dreams for this stunning young couple. Well, it may be a little stretch for some to see the parallels in today's Pentecost festival with our Christian tradition and that royal wedding celebration. But I'll try. As it says in our reading in Pentecost, it was a celebration. 
that drew people from all kinds of countries all over the region. I'm sure they were lined up in the streets of Jerusalem at the time. And they were there for a big worship service and celebration for Pentecost in the temple. Now, you may not know the Jews had celebrated, the Jews had celebrated Pentecost and feasted on it for 1,500 years already before the Christians kind of co-opted it and thought we made it up. It's always seven weeks after Passover. And so it was an established high holiday. Everyone was gathered in the temple, therefore, to celebrate, young and old from cities far and wide. And suddenly, suddenly tongues of fire appear on their heads. And then came a rush of a mighty wind. And they all began to speak in numerous native languages to the crowds, Italian and Arabic, Greek and French, Coptic and Hebrew. Everyone present heard about God's deeds of power in their own language. Rules and protocol were broken. Something new was being born, just as it happened at the wedding. Namely, a new ecstatic passionate, spirit-led community, the church, was birthed and blessed by Christ's grace and love. All those tired, dusty pilgrims felt an energy and a unity stirring them in the souls like fire. They felt inspired from head to toe by some invisible, powerful, divine force of wind and energy calling them to create a new life, new beginnings, a new church community where everyone was welcome, everyone was welcome, a community of Egyptians and Romans, Italians and Africans, Swedes and Indians, of former heathens and modern-day saints, of old Jews and young Gentiles, men, women, and children, all on fire with Jesus' spirit and abundant life. There were no divisions, no segregation, No exclusive clubs. Amen? Oh, my word. I'm going to split a gut, and that's all you got? Okay, let's try it again. There were no divisions, and they were all at one. Amen? No, first I say it, then you say it. Amen? Amen. Oh, my, that's much better. The Holy Spirit is feeling a little better herself. Pentecost, you see, calls people to new life, a life of passionate investment in others led by the powerful Holy Spirit. God's mission was to all the world, making believers unified by Christ's grace and healing love. God's Spirit was calling them to unite foes and enemies into harmonious brothers and sisters. Wouldn't that be great right now? Foes and enemies becoming united, harmonious brothers and sisters. They shared their bounty with those who were dirt poor, and they went out and helped the disillusioned and the hurting, the forgotten in jails and prisons, and they preached a chance to be born again, breaking the chains of sin and desperation. Old men and young women were eager to join Jesus' mission calling that first Pentecost day. The Holy Spirit enlivened Peter's preaching. I wish I'd been there. I did hear the sermon at the wedding, though, yesterday with 
Pastor Curry, and he set them on fire, I tell you. That was not a typical high church Anglican sermon by any means. The spirit had him in the crosshairs, and he was feverishly fiery, stirring like no other person in their midst. Yes, brothers and sisters, a new day is born on Pentecost. It may have been 2,000 years ago, and we may have just a sort of a red cloth hanging up there, but wait, wait, are you still with me? This is not a history lesson. It's not a history lesson. It's not a stuffy story from the old past of Christianity. No, sir. This has everything to do with you and me right here and right now. We are novices, perhaps, at being so fired up as Lutherans. We are, some of us, professional Lutherans. That means you generally don't get too excited about too much. You sit in the same pews every week so we can take attendance and make sure you're here. If I asked you to all stand up and move, there'd be grumbling and groaning and discomfort because you'd have to do some new vision of the sanctuary, some new perspective of us up front. But the spirit, nonetheless, is up to task for Lutherans. For Lutherans who are a little bit quiet, a little bit frozen chosen, a little bit, no, 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 don't rock the boat. Absolutely, the Spirit is here today, alive and well, in this simple sanctuary, calling you to feel the power of your faith, the power of the Holy Spirit, which you got in baptism. You've had it forever. It's there in the midst of your life every day. Are you plugged in to the power of the Spirit? Are you boldly standing up for Jesus outside these walls? where everybody else might not think like you do. There's a whole world out there, how well we know, a whole world. It's falling apart. It's pulling ranks. It's pulling borders. And we're all broken and separated with confusion. There's racial divisions rising, broken families, shooting, ravaging high schools again. Again the shootings come and drugs are overtaking lives. Politics are paralyzing our conversations. These are times... And we need to receive the Spirit's fire in our hearts, marrying us to the vision Christ has for a new community, a new place where gracious love is at the core and everybody has a place to serve. Everybody's got different spiritual gifts to bring to the table. And the Spirit is making of us a holy project in this world. Yes, we may be the frozen chosen, but we can thaw out on a day like this, and we can keep that momentum going if we call upon the Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's hear it. Oh, that's much better than 745. I don't want you to get puffed up, though. Come, Holy Spirit. Come to me, Holy Spirit. Light my fire. Light my fire. Now you're good. Now you're preaching. Go ahead. Ask for it. Ask for the Holy Spirit's power to enter you. And again, say it louder and louder and louder like you really hope the Holy Spirit hears. Come, Holy Spirit. Oh, my word. We've already lost. (laughs) This is kind of like a pop quiz. Kind of like a Pentecost pop quiz. Okay. Come, Holy Spirit. Okay, amen. Amen. Oh boy, now you don't have to say the right. Okay, okay. Thank you. Now you're you're cooking. Today, this morning, we... Oh, there's always a wise one in the group. Okay, we're gathered together here this morning, brothers and sisters, because we have the potential, individually and corporately, 
to change this world. We can pull in and turn off the news and think it's all bad, but that isn't going to help anything at all. We need to breathe in that powerful spirit and go back out into the broken pieces of this world with glue and start to put things back together again. And you won't be doing it alone. If you undertake a mission that God's calling you to do, God's going to show up and help you to do that mission. For you and me and the whole human race, one life at a time, potentially we can change this world. Start small and work your way up. Dream dreams. Is it in your neighborhood where changes need to come or at work where coworkers aren't getting along? Is it your family system that can't talk because you're all in different political camps? There are many of those families. Maybe the Holy Spirit can work through those borders and boundaries. Dream of welcoming strangers and refugees from around the globe in our country. No more every nation for themselves. No more high walls. No more divisions, bombs, or borders for fighting and killing but be at work for peace and harmony and unity and inclusivity in God's name, whatever way you can. This Pentecost festival is for us right now, right here, and there was never a better time to use your spiritual gifts. Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Our new members take a test. In baptism, each of us is gifted with a special array of gifts. For some, it's administration, or some, it's teaching, or some, it's advocacy, or some, it's music. But you have gifts that are uniquely given to you in baptism for building up this community and the world. Maybe find out how you best can serve the world. When you play to your strength, you're going to do a better job. Here's God's guarantee this Pentecost morning. She's moving among us, that Holy Spirit like wind and like a flame. Oh, subtle at first. Subtle at first, like a dove coming down, perhaps, to land on your head. But if you say, yes, Lord, I'm ready to go. Send me. Send me to your people. Use me and give me the power and the faith and the openness to do amazing things I never did before. Maybe you'll go build with Habitat for Humanity for the first time. Or you'll continue your tutoring for children after school. Or you'll start a GoFundMe campaign that will raise money for those in Haiti who are still waiting for home reconstruction. Or you'll attend an ELCA national youth gathering and become an ambassador to alienated teenagers. The spirit isn't some dusty, old, historic relic of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. It's not only caught in the Baptist churches where you attend. Lutherans have the Holy Spirit too, and we can use it and lean on it, and we can be amazing change agents. You can feel it. You can feel it when the Spirit comes. It warms you up. It moves you inside. It opens your eyes. Everything seems refreshed, renewed, and your faith begins to percolate. Even your heart begins to stir a bit as you hear God's call to you personally in this place right now. Yes, indeed, the Spirit has work for each one of us to do. Doubly hard work, I know, for Nordic, Germanic, Lutherans. The Spirit has its hands full to stir you up and make you bold and brave and not worrying about what anyone else thinks. Not whispering as much as shouting. That's what we need to do, for this world needs healing and hope and a new day and safety. 
But that Holy Spirit, you know, she's up to task. She's going to move us placid Lutherans. She's going to see you here today and think, I know, I know what they've got, and I'm going to move them to action. I'm going to move them from their assigned pews, where many of you have sat for 10 years or more. The same pew in this place. Go out into the world. Go to a new place in the world, a place where people are hurting and drugging and depressed and battling diseases and longing to hear they are God's precious children, and you are the only one that might be able to tell them that good news in this hurting world. We need to hear that we are not alone. We are family. We are God's family under Christ's leadership. And the language of love unites us all. As the song goes, there's a revival. There's a revival and it's spreading like wildfire in my heart. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? There ain't nothing going to steal my joy. Clap your hands. Stomp your feet till you find that gospel beat. Amen? Amen. And I've got a heart overflowing because I've been restored. And there ain't nothing going to steal my joy. There ain't nothing going to steal my joy. Let's say it. There ain't nothing going to steal my joy. Amen.